People love to discuss and debate about the greatest of all time in all kinds of different categories. In this series called The Greatest, we're talking about Jesus as the greatest man to walk the earth, his greatest commandment to us, and what living your life that way looks like. We hope you enjoy this series from Apex students called The Greatest, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little more like Jesus. What's up, Apex students? For the first time ever, we are doing a sermon podcast that is not live. I'm actually just sitting at a desk by myself, so I'm excited to see how this goes. But if you've been with us the past couple of weeks, we've been in this series called The Greatest. And we're talking about, you know, Jesus is the greatest man that ever walked the earth. We're talking about his greatest commandment and uh, how he tells us to live and what that looks like in our real lives. And the word greatest gets used in a ton of different ways, right? We use it to describe music and fashion and Doritos and Fortnite. And, you know, the list goes on and on. We talk about things that are the greatest. We talk about the greatest of the greatest. And then eventually the greatest of all time, the GOAT. And this greatest word is used really diversely. And it's also crazy to me how quickly things can go from being the greatest to being the worst, right? So if you think back uh, about all the things that were amazing six months ago or just, you know, a couple years ago, and now we hate those things, right? So let me give you a couple examples. Despacito, for instance, is a song that was just the ballad of last summer. And now I roll my eyes when it comes on. Uh, Maybe you remember Fidget Spinners. If you have one right now, you are on a very big minority (laughs) of people because nobody has those things anymore. There was a time where everybody around the corner had a fidget spinner. Nobody's carrying those things. Um, Then a little further back, there was that summer where everyone was playing Pokemon Go. uh, And I finally got some exercise. So nothing uh, there was uh, some good came out of that one. Uh, We could go back even further. Maybe you guys won't remember. Maybe the students won't remember. But uh, silly bands, any, you know. Young adults listening may remember silly bands, and maybe you guys had them. I'm not sure what kind of timeline the silly bands were, but um, I would be remiss to leave out Vine. You know, Vine was something that was just the greatest, and you know, this one never became the worst, still kind of the greatest, in my opinion, at least. Um, So you see all of these things, fidget spinners, Pokemon Go, Despacito, silly bands, all of these things went from being the greatest to being super dead, to being uh, not something that people focused on anymore. What I'm really talking about is value. The value of something, how much it's worth to us, changes really quickly, right? How much something is worth to us is just rapidly changing. And uh, you may have never thought about this in this way before, but we're also quick to do the same thing with ourselves. We're quick to change the value of our, how we value ourselves as well. There are times where we feel like we're doing pretty well. Um, things are going great in our life. Maybe we just we feel like we are great. Our value of ourselves goes way up, thinking so much more of yourself. Maybe for you, it has nothing to do with appearance. Maybe you feel valuable when you had a great game or when you posted the dankest meme (laughs) or when you get a text from your crush or you get a bunch of likes on your Instagram selfie. Or maybe it's when you got that scholarship or won whatever award. Uh, In other words, there's this formula to being great, to how we value ourselves. You do something well, plus people notice equals you're great. You do something well, plus people notice equals you're great. And maybe you've seen that the opposite can happen as well, right? Even faster than a song or a trend, we can go from, from being the best to the worst in our own minds. Maybe you feel like your value drops when someone makes a joke about your outfit or your new shoes or your new haircut. 
Maybe your value drops when your crush asks out somebody else. I remember that feeling very, very well. (laughs) When you find out someone's been talking bad about you. When you see a friend's Snapchat and you realize that you weren't invited. Maybe you weren't invited again. Someone else gets picked for the team or the role or the squad. And when this stuff happens, we see an opposite equation play out. You don't do something well, plus people don't like you or notice you, equals you're not that great. You don't do something well, plus people don't like or notice you, equals you're not that great. And the the point I'm trying to make here is that for most of us, our greatness is fragile. So today, whether you've placed yourself in the greatest or the worst column for yourself, it can change really quickly. And often that change is associated with what people think of you. Your value goes up and down based on every move that you make. And even though we know that that's not a great thing, that's not like a good way to live your life, it's probably true for most of us and probably more true than we'd like to admit. It creates this constant sense of worry and attention. We're, we're constantly trying not to mess up in front of people. Maybe you've never used this word to describe it, but we all experience some degree of anxiety about what we do, how we do it, and who's watching. You know, we find ourselves asking questions like, what if I don't get into that college I want? What if I actually start trying in school and my grades don't improve? What if no one likes my new outfit or my performance or my YouTube channel? And those what ifs become a huge deal in our minds because we're not just talking about a good or bad performance anymore. We're talking about a good or bad me. It becomes who we are or who we aren't. So a lot of us spend most of our days stressed out or worn worn out and we live lives on edge because at any moment we can go from high value to low value. Most of us don't talk about it, but it's kind of the reality. So the question is, can I really even do anything about it? I know this isn't the best way to live, but isn't this just the way life is? Today, I want to talk about an event in Jesus's life. Uh, We know what happened in Jesus's life because of four men who took the time to summarize some of the events in his life and uh, four writings that make up the first four books in our New Testament, in our Bible. And one of these four men was named, he was a doctor and his name was Luke. And Luke recorded a conversation that Jesus had with the Pharisees. And we can read it in Luke 15, one through two. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So before we go any further, let's look at who is in this room. So the Pharisees were the experts of the law. They were like the religious leaders of the time. They were well-respected and they were smart people. uh, And they weren't exactly fans of Jesus. Uh, And they were also kind of annoyed at who else was in the room, which was the sinners and tax collectors. Now, being a tax collector at this time um, was not the same as working at the IRS today. Tax collectors were known for habitually stealing money uh, and other, you know, evil behaviors. So tax collectors and sinners, they weren't like average, just non-church going people. These were people that were known um, as being the bad people in society. These are the people that your mom told you not to hang out with, right? Because they'd have a bad influence on you or because when you do hang out with them, you're going to get a bad reputation for it. These people were the people with the least value in society. And here they are listening to Jesus And the most respected people in society, the Pharisees, 
Now, I think one of the reasons that Dr. Luke found this event worth recording because of how crazy this scene was. The good guys and the bad guys didn't hang out together. They just didn't do it. And yet here they are, both of them in the same room. So at this point, Jesus brings up a subject that everyone in the room could understand. Sheep. <laughs> now, very relatable for them. Not so much for us. Uh, in Luke 15, 3 through 6, he said this. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Now, Jesus loved to do this kind of stuff. He would tell a story to help people understand what God was like. And he would use stories that people could all relate to. Everybody at this time in the world, they knew what a shepherd was. They knew uh, what sheep were. And everybody knew that a shepherd looked out for their sheep. That's the shepherd's job. You got one job, watch the sheep. And the sheep need this adult supervision because sheep are sort of stupid. So they would wander off. They would get into trouble. They would fall off of stuff. They would mess up. And Jesus is saying, if a sheep gets into trouble, a good shepherd goes after it. The crazy thing about this is it's really counterintuitive and uh, maybe more than counterintuitive. It's like wrong, right? Because if a shepherd goes after one sheep, he's leaving 99 sheep unattended. He's putting 99 in danger to save one. Now, my shepherd would be out of a job real quick if he left 99 sheep alone. Chances are better that the average shepherd would cut his losses, abandon the one, and keep a closer eye on the 99 to make sure that he didn't lose any more sheep. So when Jesus suggested this, it definitely caught the attention of the crowd. So Jesus continued in Luke 15, 7. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. In other words, Jesus is clearing some things up. Is surprisingly is not just about sheep. <laughs> Making sure we're all on the same page. This is about God and his people. This is about the Pharisees and the sinners and tax collectors that were present. No one was confused about who was whom in this story. The Pharisees were the good sheep that stayed put. And the sinners and tax collectors were the bad sheep. The bad sheep. Uh, sorry. They were the bad sheep that wandered off. They were the bad performers. And while Jesus was in front of both of these groups, he told a story about a shepherd who cared about both of these groups. This good shepherd wasn't satisfied with watching the good sheep while the not-so-smart ones wandered off to get really what they deserved for wandering off. This shepherd went after the wandering sheep. And here's why. Because the value of the sheep had nothing to do with whether the sheep stayed close or wandered off. The sheep mattered because it belonged to the shepherd. A sheep's value doesn't come from what it does. A sheep's value comes simply from being a sheep. The meaning of the story was clear for the Pharisees and for the sinners. Your performance, what you do, how you behave, how other people see you, all that stuff that you think gives you high or low value, none of it actually matters. Your value doesn't change because your value doesn't come from what you do. I'll say it again for the people in the back. Your value doesn't change because your value doesn't come from what you do. Your value comes from being a sheep, from being God's child. 
Now, that doesn't mean that uh, things we do don't matter. It doesn't mean we shouldn't study hard or work hard or try hard or fun hard. All of those things will make your life better. But don't miss this. They won't make you better. Your value won't change. Because your value never came from those things in the first place. Now, maybe you remember that verse that we're supposed to memorize together. Uh, We're going to look at Jesus' greatest commandment for a second. So I want us all to say that verse together before we uh, get into that. So, again, I'm in here a room by myself, so I don't feel weird about it. So I'm just going to say it. Everybody, say it in your car or uh, in your bed or at your computer, wherever you are. Say it out loud with me right now. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 22, 37 through 39. I'll admit that I don't have that address memorized quite yet, but I, I think I have the verse. And great job to you. I assume you did a great job with that verse. So let's look at what Jesus said was the greatest commandment and how that relates to what we're talking about today. So he said, the greatest commandment, love God and love your neighbor. How? As you love yourself. Love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So Jesus connects our ability to love God and to love others to our ability to love ourselves. This may sound strange, but you've already seen this play out in your life. You can't love others well if you don't like you. You can't put others first if you're constantly focusing on yourself, if you're trying to perform well or trying to raise your own value. Think about it. When you do things like treating other people poorly or talking trash about people, hurting your siblings, yelling or going off on people, trying to make other people look bad. When you do those things, don't you often do those things because you feel bad about you? Because someone or something has made you feel like your value dropped. That's often the story for myself. But the opposite is true as well. When you know you're valuable and you understand that your performance doesn't change your value, then you stop feeling worthless. When you know that the good shepherd thinks you're valuable, it frees you up to stop managing your own value and start loving your neighbor as yourself. That's when you can start to treat other people like they matter. Say good things about people. Encourage and support your siblings. Believe it or not, you can do that. Uh, Give people a break when they hurt you. Grace. Try to make other people around you look good. When you feel good enough about you to start looking out for others, your life gets better and you start to value yourself and love your life more. You worry and stress less because you're not always performing. You have better relationships and less drama because you're treating people better. You stop trying so hard to impress people and you just start living your life. All right, here's the whole thing boiled down to one sentence. Loving your life comes from knowing your worth. Loving your life comes from knowing your worth. And I get that for most of us that are listening, it just, it feels out of reach. It feels impossible. Most of us swing from feeling okay to worthless and back again all the time. And that's how life has been for so long that it just feels normal. But I want you to know that you don't have to do that. You don't have to feel like your value rises and falls all day long. You don't have to wonder about your worth because in the eyes of the shepherd, you're valuable and you're worth it. Now, this is why it's so important to spend time getting to know God. 
we spent a whole series talking about how to get to know God. And there are all kinds of things you can do to get to know God better. You can read his words in the Bible and search for things he says about you. Here's a hint. He speaks very fondly of you. He cares very much for you. So find those things, write those things down, memorize those things, remind yourself and each other that those things are unequivocally true. And they're true no matter how you perform or what you do. The better you know him, the more you'll be able to see yourself as valuable, the way he sees you. And that makes all the difference. Jesus sees you as worth pursuing no matter what. And he wants you to love yourself that way as well. So remember, loving your life comes from knowing your worth. As we wrap up, uh, I'd like you to imagine what it would feel like if you really knew that your value didn't change based on your performance. If it truly didn't affect how you felt about yourself, whether you made the team or quit the team, or aced the quiz or failed the quiz, whether you got compliments or you got ignored, whether you got the date or you got dumped. If you knew your worth didn't change, how much better would you talk about people or treat other people? There's no downside to seeing your value through God's eyes. Loving your life comes from knowing your worth. And it all starts with changing the way that you see you. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for whoever's listening to this, who's ever, whoever needs to listen to this message of value and hope and, uh, and seeing ourselves through your eyes, God. So remind us to do that. Help us to see ourselves as that one sheep that, that does wander off and makes mistakes and messes up, but is worth chasing after because you're a good shepherd. Help us to see ourselves that way and not let our value change all day long and every day all over the place. Help us to see ourselves the way you see us and keep our value there. God, help us to get to know you better because as we get to know you better, the easier it will be to see ourselves through your eyes. We love you and we thank you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little more like Jesus.